Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, today is our privilege, a privilege of worship. Not everybody in the world takes time, but for those of us that do, we long for the moments that we have with you. We're grateful each morning when we can start the day and each evening when we can close the day mindful of our God. As we start a day, we look to you for guidance. When we close the day, we look back with thanksgiving. In the start of the day, we come to you with our petitions. At the close of the day, we come to you with requests that have been granted and continue to pray for further grace to be bestowed upon the areas of hurt that continue to linger. As we gather today, we come into your presence because we need a fresh encounter with God. We're about to walk on a very, on very holy ground because we're going to travel back to the cross. And I pray that today as we go there, how foolish we would be to speculate about what transpired there when you are the one who was there. Lord Jesus, you died there. You endured what we're about to talk about. And so I pray that today my mouth would not render thoughts that are human uh, oriented, but rather thoughts that come from the mind of God. I pray today, God, for you to guide my tongue and my mouth, my heart and my mind. I pray for every hearer in this room and those viewing live stream. God, today, let us have an audience with the Almighty, not a casual encounter, not not a chance meeting, not just be stirred, but such a meeting with God that our hearts would be transformed, sin would be destroyed, Jesus Christ would be exalted, and the Spirit of God would be poured out upon us. I pray that today that would be the encounter that we experience. So when we leave this place, we can say in one voice, truly, it was good to have been in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I direct your attention today to Luke's Gospel, chapter 23. We're going to continue our study going the distance. If you're a first-time guest or new on live stream, that's a term obviously from boxing. And for the last several weeks, we've talked about men who've gone the distance in life. Just as a boxer needs to go 12 rounds, the Bible says you and I are going to live somewhere around three score and 20, uh, three score and 10, that's 70 years. And so what we want to do is if we have 70 years, we want to live those to the glory of God. And what we find is that many times the best moments in life are not the mountaintops. The best moments in life when you're hit with a valley. Because the valley, we tend to seek the Lord. On the mountaintops, we tend to take the credit. On the mountaintops, we're so happy jubilating, we forget to give thanks. On the valleys, we know if God doesn't help us, we're not going to make it. I find it interesting that life is made up of lots of kinds of days. There are great days in life. There are not many, but there are a few great days. The day that perhaps you graduated high school, graduated college, got your first job, married, had your first child, first grandchild. Those are great days, but they're very limited. There are a whole lot of good days, days that good things happen. You, you're able to have a vacation with friends. You were able to uh, be able to buy that car you always wanted or that house you wanted. Those are good days, and there's lots of those. And then there's days that are just okay days. They're not really bad, not really good. There's a whole string of bland. And then you have some days that are sad days. That's the death of a friend, death of a spouse, death of a child, death of a neighbor. Cancer has been diagnosed. Heart attack, those are bad days. The Bible says in the last days there's going to be an evil day, and I think we're in it. It's not a time when men are just sinful. It's a time when men love evil more than good. I think we're in it. And I believe in this evil day, here's the call of God, be able to stand. Now, the truth is, uh, since the beginning of Adam, since the beginning of time when Adam, Adam and Eve sinned, all of us have sinned. 
And we're good at sin. We may not be good at salvation. We're great at sin. We continue to hear on the news all the heartbreaking things of shootings publicly. Now on a news media station, how tragic. We see gang shootings. We see all kinds of muggings. And obviously the tragedy, 31 million people whose names are on a list to commit covert adultery have been exposed. 31 million. I couldn't help but think of how many children that would be that today their daddy or mama has got some confessing to do. 31 million families. And so we live in a day when men's sin is large and frequent. But the truth is, because we want to tend to think we're better than that, we need to be reminded all of us have sinned. All of us. That, that means your preacher, the staff, the deacons, the Sunday school teacher, those people just sang on the stage and those in the choir, everybody sitting by you and you. The old adage says there is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. And the reason we don't want to think about our sin and we love to think about somebody else's is because somehow we tend to put on our robes of self-righteousness and say, well, I would never do that. Oh, my, be careful. Uh, Satan's listening every time you boast of your self-righteousness and he says, watch this. And so we need to be reminded that sin is ever prolific extremely intrusive and if it was easy to overcome nobody here would have done it it's very easy to fall in sin this morning i want to talk about a man who lived his life and i truly don't know if he was a young man of 18 or an older man of 50 or 60 i don't know we're not told but he lived his life devoid of godliness he was crucified on a cross with jesus as being a robber that's what we know There's a lot we don't know, but that's what we know. And this man on this day, and the thing that hit me in this time through this text is how many times we focus on this day, this day. We say so often, this is the day the Lord has made, let's rejoice. Well, sometimes you say, this is the day of that big cancer surgery. This is the day we go to court. This is the day. I mean, some days this day is is needed, but not looked forward to. And in this man's life, I want you to think about this day. If you knew today... If you knew today at three o'clock you were going to die, and that's what happened with Jesus on the day of the crucifixion, and those with him could not have lingered much longer because they broke their legs to enhance their death, so they couldn't push up and get a breath. Crucifixion, you suffocate. But they liked, uh, Romans liked it if you could push yourself up on a step or sometimes a, a, a post between your legs. If you could just pull up or push up a little bit, get one more breath, it wasn't merciful. It meant you lingered that much longer to suffer. And so the best way to keep a man from staying longer on the cross when he was hanging there would be to break his legs and that way he couldn't couldn't push up or break his arms too and then he couldn't pull up or push up. Well then death's going to come pretty quickly because you you suffocate. And the Bible says on this day at 9 o'clock in the morning Jesus had gone to the cross. By 3 o'clock Jesus was dead but we know that the other two had their legs broken to enhance and increase the, the, the time required. Uh, diminish the time required to cause them to die. Look with me in Luke's gospel, and let's study the thief on the cross today about his going the distance with Jesus. Luke 23, beginning verse 32. Two others, two others, criminals were led away to be executed with him. They arrived at the place called the Skull, or Golgotha. They crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. And Jesus said, and I've shared this with you before, it's in perfect tense, meaning he said it repeatedly. Father, forgive them. He just kept on saying it. Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. 
They divided his clothes and the, and the soldiers cast lots for his belonging, which was a fulfillment of prophecy. Verse 35, the people stood watching. Now imagine you're hanging naked, number one. Number two, the movies that show Jesus, you know, four or five feet off the ground, you can throw that away. That's not true. Crucifixions happened where a man was fairly close to the ground for one reason. It was finally time for robbers, thieves, murderers to get theirs. And I don't just mean the cross. See, if you're close to the ground, people can come by and hit you with their fist, throw a rock at you, spit on you. Well, you can't do it if he's five feet above the ground. They, 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 their feet were maybe a foot, 18 inches off the ground so that when men lined the, the roadways with crosses, family would come along and just beat the daylights out of them. And, and while you're hanging there, folks are hitting you in the stomach and hitting you in the legs, hitting you other places, and who cares? Nobody's going to stop you. There's no 911. You're a condemned criminal. And it gives the people that you wrong the chance to finally say, you make me so mad. And here they go. So here were two thieves and Jesus. And they were hanging on trees, on crosses. And the Bible says the people stood watching. If you're hanging naked and suffering, do you want a lot of people just gawking at you? When you're really hurting, do you like it when people say, wonder if he's going to get up. I, I reckon he hurt himself bad. How's he doing? Anybody know? Look, look at him. And here's a crowd and they're just staring at you. Does that make you feel better? Bible says the crowd stood by just gazing. Isn't that disgusting? You ever notice when more gory the wreck, the, lar- the slower people go by the accident? People stood gazing, and even the leaders were scoffing. These men, the religious men, those who were religious, are found mocking and scoffing. That, that warms your heart, doesn't you see your priest out there mocking somebody on a cross? He saved others, the religious men said. Let him save himself if this really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers joined in, not only the priests, but the soldiers, and they mocked him. And they came offering sour wine. By the way, when wine sours, what is it? I know you Baptists know. What is it? Vinegar. When you're really thirsty, you ever said, fix me a, darling, fix me a a glass of vinegar, please. I don't need any ice. Just bring it to me. You ever craved a glass of vinegar? So if you think they were showing Jesus mercy by taking a sponge and putting it on a hyssop branch and lifting it up to his mouth to put vinegar there, why, why vinegar? Well... It did have a bit of a drug in it to to softly numb the pain, but don't think that's mercy. Again, the goal was to keep him up there alive as long as you could to make him suffer for as long as he could. But here's the problem. When you're crucified and you lose all those fluids and you're trying to breathe, your tongue swells and fills your mouth to the point you can't breathe. Well, vinegar cuts through that muck and mucus and, 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 and swelling, and it would reduce the swelling just enough you could get a few breaths. And so old sour wine vinegar wasn't for drinking purposes. It was, let's get that tongue down a little bit, get that mouth opening a little bit, and we'll seem linger a little longer. Kind, weren't they? It says they gave Jesus wine to drink. And he said, if you're the king of the Jews, come down. And the inscription was, was there, this is the king of the Jews. And the soldiers had taunted him with a, a robe and a crown of thorns saying, are you the king? Let's hail the king. And verse 39, one of the criminals hanging there began to yell along with the soldiers and the high priest. Now you got to be a, <laughs> forgive me, a sorry dog if you're dying and you start hollering to the guy next to you dying. 
Most of the time, you're so busy hurting yourself, you don't have time to holler at him. But this thief, really thinking, well, maybe he is somebody. Notice he didn't say, I am so sorry for what I've done. Can you forgive me? He said, I don't like being up here naked and hurting. Get us down if you can and get us down now. Anybody here not really sorry for what you did in sin? You're just sorry you got caught. Because getting caught wasn't near as much fun as sinning, was it? See, there's always a pain, a price to be paid for sin, and this thief was paying it, and he didn't like it. Verse 39, when I'm hanging there, began to yell insults. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself. And by the way, save us. Get us down. But the other thief, the one on the other side, answered, and he rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Now think what he's saying. We're about to die. Now, I don't know if they've been in the same band. Rumor or tradition has it. These were brothers of Barabbas, meaning in his gang. Barabbas man. Barabbas should have had the center cross but was set free to crucify Jesus and these thieves were caught with Barabbas who killed people while they robbed them. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan. They beat them and leave them for dead. They took their goods and that way if they died who cared? I, no, no skin off my back. I just wanted his, his money and if he died he died. So likely they had seen men die and they'd heard them curse and swear while they were beating them with rocks and beating them with fists. And they saw Jesus die. And this man said, don't you fear God? We're about to die. I know you don't fear Rome. I knew you didn't fear the law. I knew you didn't fear those men we robbed. But don't you have any, don't you have any sense of fear? I'd ask you the same question. I've seen people sit through church services, some of you, for 40 years. Now, 30 years I've been here, 29. You come in the same way you did 29 years ago, leave the same way you did 29 years ago, have never one time in 29 years need to do anything with God. <laughs> 29 years? What a track record. <laughs> 29 years. Don't you fear God? That's a good question. Don't you even fear God? You're undergoing the same punishment this man is, but there's a difference. We're being punished justly. We deserve the things we did, this for the things we did. But this man, uh, notice now he's getting, Jesus is getting yet another exoneration testimony. Pilate said, I find no fault in him. The Roman centurion would say, surely this was the son of God. Even the thief dying with him said, he hadn't done anything wrong. He's done nothing to deserve this. And he says, what every sinner wants to say when it comes time to meet God, would you please remember me? Across the years as I've talked to people, different ones would say to me, I'm sure I'm okay. I was baptized when I was eight. I was Christian when I was a baby. My daddy was a preacher. Is that what you're going to plead when you stand before God? And you've done nothing to serve him for a lifetime. My, my daddy was a preacher. Okay. And what, what, what were you? I'm pretty sorry. <laughs> He said, Jesus, would you remember me? And, and he uses a term here way out there somewhere, somewhere over the rainbow. Somewhere someday, when you come into that kingdom of yours, would you remember me? And he said, I want to tell you something, son. Today you'll be with me in paradise. I thought about this day. There's so many things we don't know about this man. For instance, I've often wondered, what was his name? When I get to heaven, I, I, want, to, I want to find out all those people's names we don't know. Who, who were the men that had the borough that Jesus rode the, into on the day of triumph, the day of victory. Who were the men holding the burrow that he sent the disciples said, go tell that owner of that burrow, 
the master has need of him. Whose burrow was that? What was the name of the little boy with the five loaves and two fishes? What was the name of the woman caught in adultery? And by the way, who was her partner in crime? Don't, don't you get frustrated all the names you don't know? What, 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 what was the name of this thief? Did you ever wonder, what was his last name? What was his family name? Well, what, was he from a prestigious family in Israel and he was the prodigal and he got caught? Well, what was his name? What did his daddy do? You know, normally Jewish dads taught their sons a trade. There's no indication his dad was also killed for robbery. The sign is that his dad probably was a good Jewish citizen. And this boy said, I want no part of you. Anybody here a prodigal? Your daddy and your mama taught you well and you've lived your whole life in decadent rebellion. said, I'm not doing that. Well, that's great. Now, what are you going to do when you stand before God? I didn't do anything they taught me. Isn't that great when the commandment says honor, honor, honor father and mother? I wonder how old this young man was. We know Jesus was 33. Had this young man just been caught the first time he ever stole and now he's saying, oh my, if I'd have just thought I wouldn't have done it, but I did it and I got caught and now I'm dying and my daddy told me if I got caught they were going to kill me. Was he young? Was he 16, 18? Had just gotten caught and I mean, he'd give anything in the world to have his life. Do you know anybody that their life has ended before it ever began? Anybody in this room that you had grand plans and you did something so stupid, your life course altered so much that you're nowhere near the dreams that you had and your family had for you? How old was he? Was he 60? Had he been a, had been a lifetime criminal? And now here's he hanging by a 33-year-old young rabbi. And that's why he's so astute to say, I know we're getting what we deserve. If I looked at my life, there's so many things. And by the way, may I say, you and I are on that cross right there. Do you understand you and I have been found guilty? The Bible says these men were found guilty by the laws of Rome. You and I have been found guilty as violators of the laws of God. They were both guilty of crimes committed. You and I are guilty of sins against the Almighty. They were both condemned by t- to death for their sin. You and I are under the sentence of God without Christ for the wages of sin is death. Both were looking for mercy from the crowd. You and I have not looked at the crowd for mercy. We looked at the crowd for entertainment and followed. When we wanted mercy, we looked up to the Lord Jesus and pled, I do not deserve your grace, but I beg you, show me forgiveness and remember me. We need his mercy. Both had blasphemed the name of Christ. The Bible says early on when they were nailed to the cross, they both railed at him like all the others. Anybody here guilty of blasphemy? Oh my. A house full. You so I, I never did do that. Wait a minute. You can take God's name in vain without ever saying his name in vain. It means putting his name on your life and living in a direction different from the call of God. Did you ever make Jesus a partner in sin? That's taking his name in vain. Did you ever do something and yet people knew you were a Christian and they even said, I thought you were a Christian. Well, I know I shouldn't. You just took his name and trashed it. The Bible says, here's a man who's found guilty because he is guilty. I don't know how old he was when he stole the first time or when he stole the last time. I've often wondered, how did he get caught? Did somebody rat on him and say, there's a gang out there with Barabbas in that you've been wanting him. I'll tell you where they are because they robbed my brother. I'll tell you where they're hanging out on the road. Did somebody squeal? 
Did they wind up getting something of such value? Rome said, that's it. You go get those boys. That's a Roman, uh, that, that was Roman artifacts or Roman treasures. They said, you go get those boys. It doesn't tell us what they did, does it? But we on this day, he was caught. Anybody here know what it's like to be caught in sin? Did you like it? Do you remember the feeling you had on your face when you were caught in sin? It just felt like your ears caught on fire. Do you remember when you're caught in sin, it just feels like red just moves, I mean, straight up from your heart all the way up to the top of your head. You remember, do you remember what it's like to be caught? Do you remember? Yeah, you do. I do. The Bible says they were caught in sin. This is a dreaded day for a thief, but then it's always a dreaded day for any sinner if they get caught and they've not repented in advance. Now they're caught. And what's going to be your plea? Uh, stupid, yeah. Well, I just, I, everybody else said it was okay, and so you thought you would. Well, I just didn't think I'd get caught. Well, back to the first description, that's stupid. Because the Bible says it's a good book. Be sure your sins will what? No kidding. This was a dreaded day for this thief. In Rome, we didn't, they didn't have all the stuff. We have American litigation. Man can be found guilty in America, and he'll go through 17 different appeals, and then he'll go through delays. And by the time he's finally executed for a crime, you say, I don't even remember who was that man. I don't remember what he did. In Rome, you were sentenced, and quickly you were taken out to be executed. They didn't, <laughs> there was none of this delay. Let's have an appeal. It's you're guilty, get him out. Now, I don't know if the man had been sentenced that morning. I doubt it simply because the very trial Jesus went through was illegal. They had it in the middle of the night when they called the Sanhedrin together. They didn't, they, they, they didn't bring forward the witnesses that would agree that it was a kangaroo court. And they found him guilty after standing on trial before five, five hearings. Annas, Caiaphas, Herod, Pilate, and Her, uh, Pilate, Herod, and Pilate. Five times. They, they were having the hardest time finding some reason to crucify him. This young man had not gone through five trials. He was not a Jewish criminal. He was a Roman criminal. And once he had stood trial, he said, you hang tomorrow. Likely, he had been sentenced the day before. And how, how would you sleep when the gavel fell and said, tomorrow you're going to die? How, how would you sleep that night? I don't, think there's, I don't think there's enough Ambien in Tulsa to help you sleep. And especially if it is you're going to die on a cross. Crosses were despicable. They were the worst form of punishment. And every thief was whipped like Jesus. Why? They wanted to weaken you as much as possible. So when you hit the cross, there wasn't a lot of you left. And if there was, and they just hung you there with ropes instead of nails, you could hang up there for as much as a week to two weeks. There are records of men that hung there two weeks if they weren't nailed. You just hanging, you stay there for two weeks, birds would pluck out your eyes before you died. You'd go nuts because the heat of the sun would make you sweat. In the cold of nights, you'd get the shakes. And by the time you died, you were batty, batty, batty. And that's why they were so amazed when Jesus died and went to ask for the body. Said, is he dead already after six hours? Well, see, he laid down his life. No man, he said, takes my life from me. So this thief is there on that day, and boy, it's a dreaded day because he's been caught, and 
On that day, he was amazed when he was nailed there. He was doing all the cursing. You sorry dog. If that hammer was in my hand, I'd hit you in the head. You, oh, don't you hit me again. You know, you and he's cursing. But then again, some of us have been guilty when we hit our knee on the corner of a table or we hit our hand with a hammer. Doesn't take a nail, does it? He was amazed when he was hanging on the cross. People weren't even looking at these two thieves. Normally when the thieves hung, that's what drew the crowd. Because every family member that had ever had that thief rob them, they wanted to get their shot in while he's hanging there. And he's still alive enough he can see my face and see my anger. But today, there's nobody lining up at the cross of the thieves. And of all things, there's the priest in all their garments. And tomorrow's Passover, uh, a Passover and they're out there in their holy robes. We don't, what are priests doing out here at the crucifixion? <laughs> Nothing worse than religion, is it? Religion's so mean, it'll kill you and delight in doing so. This thief was amazed that as Jesus died, here's what he, here's what he couldn't get over. He couldn't get over that while Jesus was hanging on that cross and all these people were mocking him, Hey, Jesus! You're the Messiah. We heard you say so. Why don't you call down help from heaven, Jesus? Now, you're in a lot of pain and you're naked and you're hurting. Your back is bloody. Your brow is bleeding from a crown of thorns. You're, you're hanging on a cross by two nails in your hands and a nail through your feet. And the best that you are hearing is people call your name in mockery. What does it take to set your fuse to lighting? Normally not that much, does it? This thief is watching. They're calling him everything in the book. And instead of him cursing those people and cursing those priests and cursing those soldiers, he just kept saying, Father. It's almost as if he was oblivious to them. Father, forgive them. I, I hear their words, but they're like children saying something they heard at school they shouldn't say. They don't even know what that means. They don't know what they're saying. Father, can you please forgive them? And this thief's listening. <laughs> he said, I saw him when he gave that, when he got that old bitter vinegar. Most people spit it back out. <laughs> it's awful. Curse the soldier for giving it to him. But Jesus went to the cross to taste the cup. You see, there is a bitter cup called sin. And oh, at, at first, the Bible says it's like wine. Wine at first is sweet, but at the end it's bitter. It's bitter like a serpent. Woo! See, sin always looks good. Oh, it's pretty, colorful, attractive, alluring. Everybody's telling how wonderful it is. And, and then you drink it. And the whole time it starts going down your throat, you feel the burn. And then you get caught and you want to throw up. Because in your stomach is that knot that forms that says, I, how dumb could I be? Why did I ever think I could get away? I am so sorry. Too late, Ethel. See, once you take the cup, it's bitter. Jesus tasted that cup for us. I, I should have been on that middle cross, not Jesus. You, you should have been there, not Jesus. He tasted a cup he had never tasted. He was used to the cup of the kingdom. We gave him the cup of sin. He was used to the praise of the Father. We gave him the punishment of the fallen. He didn't know about that cup 
oh, he was aware of it, but he had never tasted it till we put him there and said, here, have some of our, this is some of what we have down here. Jesus. That soldier, the, the, the thief saw the soldiers and the people and saw Jesus drink that and he, 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 he couldn't get over verse 40 of Luke 23. I, I think it's interesting what it says. Look here. The other answer said, don't you fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We're punished because of what we deserve. He did nothing wrong. Have you ever noticed when you really see Jesus, what you see is your own sinfulness? I can always tell when we've not had worship. Well, I didn't say we didn't have a service. I can always tell when we didn't have worship and you can dance out here talking about everything in the world, but your encounter with God. See, I think the day that Isaiah met the Lord and he had his mouth burned with a live coal to purge the sin, I don't think he went out and said, Woo, did you see those games yesterday? Were they not good? <laughs> you think that's what he said? I don't think that thief on the cross right before he died said, I, You know, I have one regret. Yet tomorrow's going to be the Super Bowl and I'm going to miss it sure as the world. You think that's what was on his mind? You know, when you really see God, what you're aware of, not his holiness initially. You know what you're aware of? Your sinfulness against his holiness. He said to the other thief, sir, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. See, we're in one of those camps this morning. You're either the one who's seeking to get right with Christ or the one who's mocking Christ to say, why don't you do something about our condition and get us out of this mess? You're, you're, everybody here is in one of those two. Either save my soul or save me from this pain. See, a lot of people use God like a rabbit's foot. Oh, if you're really up there, you get me out of this. Uh-oh. So you want, a, you want a genie in a bottle. There's other people say, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. O Lamb of God, I come. The Bible says this thief saw Jesus dying and you know he saw his own sinfulness and the sinfulness of his friend and he says, listen, don't, don't you even fear God? Do you see what I see? The thief saw it clearly. We're, we're getting what we deserve. This man hadn't done anything wrong and as I watch him, you know what I see? The depravity of my own life. I love listening through the week to different messages and when I'm going to Oklahoma City or somewhere else, I'll cut on the radio many times or the place on my cell phone and listen to sermons. And sometimes I'm telling you it's, it's wonderful and other times you just want to pull over in a ditch and say, dear God, forgive me. Because none of us are exempt from sin and none of us are all we want to be and it doesn't take a whole lot of clear biblical truth to help us realize it's me, oh God, not my sister, not my brother, not my mother, not my daddy, not my wife, not my children. It's me, oh God. Standing in the need of prayer. This thief, as he saw Jesus die, said, I'm the one that needs you. And on that day, the day when he was cursed, condemned to die, the day when others were cursing Jesus, on that day, in an unlikely place, in an unlikely moment, he cried out to Jesus, the cry of every man, Remember me! I dare say when people who know Christ are getting ready near that place of death, they... They're always blessed when the folks around them can gather around them and say, 
you want to sing a song, you want to sing a song, and I've seen many of those smile. I've not been there always in the moment of death, but I've been there not long before death. And families say, while the preacher's here, could he pray and we just sing a song? And I watch him just smile. And when, we, when I ask him, what do you want me to pray for you? Ask the Lord to come after me soon. What's that saying? I know he remembers me. Tell him, come get me now. See, when you've walked with Christ in life, the transition to heaven is not dreaded. It's exciting for me to live as Christ and die as God. And so this man who has lived his whole life in degradation now saw an opportunity at salvation. And he wasn't going to let it miss. He wasn't going to let it pass by. I'm not going to have another chance tomorrow. I won't be here next week. I'm going to die in just a few hours. And if I don't call on God now, you hear the urgency? How, how foolish it is for men and women to come into church and go through life as if I've got all the time in the world. Well, maybe not. I hear news every day of a car accident that took somebody's life, of a shooting that took somebody's life, of a heart attack that took somebody's life. You know how much time you got right now. And the Bible knew, knew enough to know that thief on the cross knew enough to know I don't have tomorrow. And I'm not going to presume anymore upon God. Jesus, when you out there somewhere in your kingdom when you come out there some see that's how we live in in the sweet by and by listen you're already in eternity every person in this room has eternal life right now the only difference is the address some are going to be located on the golden streets of glory because of Jesus Christ working you and some of you are going to be a pit looking up at the light of the kingdom saying forever what might have been if only I had repented and trusted Everybody has eternal life. Why? An eternal God made us in his image and he is eternal. The, the address is all that's different. This thief cried out, remember me. That's what David said. God, please don't withdraw your spirit from me. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit didn't indwell men. The Holy Spirit came on men for a certain task. That's why when Samson, we studied Samson, he said the Spirit of God, the Spirit, Scripture said the Spirit of God left him. He didn't know it. The Spirit of God came on him to do a task. And when he rebelled against God, the Spirit of God withdrew. But when you were saved, Jesus Christ redeemed you. Know, know ye not that your body, that you have bought with the price and your body is now the ultimate temple. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God who indwells you and seals you and holds you to the day of redemption. And when you and I sin as a believer, what we're doing is taking the marvelous, holy, unblemished, pure Spirit of God into a garbage dump and say, don't you like this? And you and I know better. The Bible says, he said, would you remember me? That was the words of Samson when he was dying, wasn't it? Would you please remember me? He's the word of Hannah when she hadn't had a child. And everybody was mocking her. We all love our children. You don't, you don't have any. And she went to God and prayed with such earnestness. The priest thought she was drunk. And what she was saying, oh God, remember me and open my womb. Nehemiah, after building the wall of God, the last chapter of Nehemiah, he says, oh God, please remember me. Here this thief said, Jesus, would you remember me out there in your Perusia? Out there someday, somewhere when you come, someday would you remember me? Jesus said, son, you don't have to wait that long. <laughs> you see, Jesus said, then here, here's the key today. Son, today, I, I heard what you said. In your Perusia, that means we would say it like this. Lord, out there in your coming someday in your kingdom, whatever that is, would you just kind of remember me? He said, the kingdom is now. 
The kingdom of God has come upon you, for wherever the king of the kingdom is, the kingdom is near. And the king of the kingdom was on the center cross near this thief. He said, son, today, today you're going home with me. I, I can't prove this, but I've often thought that Jesus, when he died, I don't think that thief lived much longer because they broke his legs. They were going to break Jesus. They realized he's already dead. So he just thrust a spear in his side to confirm it. And out comes blood and water, which is what happens in a heart sack. When your heart ruptures, all the red cells coagulate separately, leaving the blood fluid separate. And, and the scripture says when the spear broke the sack, the water and blood, they weren't scientists. John didn't know what he was recording. He just recorded what he saw. I saw blood and I saw water pour from his side. And that thief is over there crying, would you remember me? And Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And he's gone. How long did that thief live? An hour? I don't know. Hour and a half, two hours? I don't know. He had to get dead before sunset because they were Jewish. It was a Jewish holiday coming. And because they were crucified with Jesus, let's get them all down before Passover. I, I don't know how long Jesus lingered in, in eternity it says a thousand years is a day, so an hour would be like, what, a blinking of an eye. <laughs> Not long. I've always pictured Jesus because he said, today you're going to be with me. I think after he died on the cross, I think he lingered for a minute until that thief died. And I think he may have even exacerbated, moved that up. And as soon as he goes into the presence of the, of the Lord... He didn't go empty-handed. Father, it's good to be home. I brought somebody with me. You know him. We knit him together. He went the whole distance and never acknowledged us until the last minute. But you heard him just a few minutes ago when he said, remember me? I told him today he'd be with me. Son, Welcome home. Whew. You know what? One of these days, <laughs> sure as we're sitting at First Baptist Broken Era, my heart's going to beat the last time and yours too. But don't you weep tears over me, over me leaving. You may weep tears of joy you're going to get a new preacher, but don't weep tears over me leaving. Now I'm like Dwight L. Moody. I will never have been as alive as I will be in that moment. We're not in the land of the living, going to the land of the dead. We're in the land of the dying, headed to the land of eternal life. <laughs> and one day he's going to say to me, son, come here. Yes, sir. How many times does your daddy call you when it's time to come in? My daddy said it one time. Twice, and there was, I see you in my future. Come home, son. <laughs> and in that moment when he does, I'm going to take off and I'm going to run like a kid across a pasture. Yes, sir, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm coming. Thank you so much for remembering me. Thank you for preparing a place for me. Thank you for coming after the likes of me. I'm coming home. <laughs> and in that minute when I get to his presence 
I'm not going to throw my arms around the neck of my heavenly father. I'll be too terrified when I see his splendor. But I want to join the ranks of Thomas, who's probably still laying up there with his nose in the pavement. And I'll fall flat on my face and say, my Lord and my God, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Thank you for remembering me. There's two people. There's two people. There's two people you need to remember because those two are in this room. You're either the thief on this side saying, I sure hope this church service is over. If God is up there, he ought to help me get out of this mess. When you walk out, you're still going to be in that same mess. You don't fear God. Some of you, this thief over here, Father, I've sure made a mess of things. I sure would ask you to forgive me. Please show me mercy. Please. And I tell you today, your heart can be made whiter than snow. Your name already in the Lamb's Book of Life will be made bold.